DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Visit the Ford Fan Zone where you can get all-you-can-eat tickets with an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, ice cream, starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. All right, PK, it is time to hear from Kalani Sataki. BYU getting ready to play Washington State. And this yeah. game gets a weird twist with Nick Rolovich out as head coach at Washington State. Midway through, it looks like a decent season for them. They're 4-3. Three. Three-game winning streak with Delora at quarterback. Yeah. He's a player. He's so, a gunslinger from Hawaii who makes big plays. This is a huge game for the Cougars. Well, BYU Cougars, I should say, since they're both Cougars. Uh, because a three-game losing streak, that wipes away all the good uh, feeling. The mojo out the yeah. window. Yeah, the five-game winning streak seems like last year if you lost three in a row. And Kalani was asked about this, and you'll hear it. You know, he's not interested in what's going on in Washington State's sidelines because it doesn't matter. I mean, these players... They've been coached by the coaching staff for a good while, so I don't know in the short term what difference it's going to make. Obviously, it's not an ideal situation for them whatsoever, but they have very capable players to go out there at home. The crowd's going to be energized, I would think, uh, and going to be fired up. And BYU's a brand name, and it's in the afternoon and all that stuff. It is in the afternoon this time. (laughs) So for the Cougars, BYU, I need to keep uh, differentiating our Cougars, so to speak. A lot, of, a lot of you people accuse me of being a BYU fan, and I am since birth. There's no question. You just look at my background. It makes complete sense uh, that I really believe that they need to get this game. The All that uh, good feeling the vibes of a five-game winning streak. Toast if you lose three in a row. It'll yes. literally be looking at a month since their last win. I agree with you 100%. So you got to go get it. There's got to be a real sense of urgency yes. throughout the program. Players, assistant coaches, head coach. Let's listen to the head coach, Kalani Sataki, right now at 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right. Uh, looking forward to this week. Um, looking forward to getting back to work. And, uh, I mean, obviously not, not feeling all that great about the loss. But uh, the opportunity for us to move on and get better and uh, perform a lot better than we did the last two weeks now. So uh, I got to get off this losing streak. And the uh, best way to do it is get back to work, get to practice, work hard, stay focused on our next opponent, and then learn also learn from the mistakes and uh, shortcomings that we had o- over the weekend against Baylor, who was a really good team. And uh, obviously, the rank, they, they, their only loss came to, I think, Oklahoma State, who's uh, ranked as well, so a uh, really cool environment, good team, big big team, physical team, and uh, we we didn't match uh, their physical presence well enough to to earn a victory. So hoping to change that. Uh, really good opponent in Washington State. We're going on the road again, so uh, looking forward to getting back out there and seeing fans in a different region of the country. Really appreciate the fans showing up for the, for the game at Baylor. Uh, there's a lot of Royal Blue out there and, and really appreciate them and their support. I'm um, looking forward to getting the, the same type of support that we get in uh, around the country and now being in the Northwest. So um, looking forward to the matchup. Uh, they're coming off of uh, off of some wins, and um, they're playing really good football right now. And you'll see what they're doing on offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, they're very explosive, uh, well coached team, and so it'll be be a tough match for us. We we need to be ready to roll. So um, need to play at our best in order for us to to put ourselves in a position to get the win. So looking forward to the matchup. 
uh, I know they'll be well coached and I know their fans will be excited and um, just just want to get to this game already. Thanks, Coach. We'll have questions from Mitch and then Jake, followed by Jay. Kalani, is, is not having a, a bye week yet taking a toll on your team at, at this point of the season? You know, I, I don't, I don't know uh, how it's affected other teams that have had bye week already, but bye weeks usually help and get get the team healthy, um, get them get them a little focused on not having a. I mean, the hard part a lot of people don't realize is that the practice, the week of practice, we we need to be physical and and put the pads on and strike, and so it's not like the week of practice is that easy either. But I don't know any other way to to prep for teams than to, to practice it. So. Uh, we'll, we'll practice you know, really physical and, um, and, and, you know, expect that to show up in the game. Uh, the unfortunate part is we felt like we had a great week of practice and didn't transfer over. So there's some disconnect there. And that's my job to figure it out. Um, but I don't think taking it easy in practice is going to be the key. But, yeah, I mean, everybody takes advantage of the bye week. That we're midseason, so there's guys that are banged up and guys that are playing through some injury. Guys are, aren't 100%. That's, that's the game of football. And so, um, you know, we're, we're depending on depth and, and talent, but sometimes the inexperience shows up a little bit. But uh, it's time to grow up and get better and, and, and uh, toughen up. So, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're not 100%, but neither is Washington State and neither was Baylor. There's, there's a lot of guys that are banged up right now. That's what happens in, in the game of football throughout the season. Just got to tough it out. When you watch the, the the film from that Baylor game, much was made about the the familiarity between the coaching staffs. Was there anything that maybe stood out where you felt Baylor knew what was coming in that game, uh, whether offensively and defensively from you guys? Well, we knew what they were going to try to do, which is establish the run game. I know Grimey and his uh, personality and, and what he wants to try to establish the identity as an offense, and that's to run the ball. And we couldn't stop it on defense and that really bugs me so we got to figure out a way to do it and I'm more disappointed and frustrated with the fundamentals of the game and, and the technique I am rather than the, the, the scheme or anything I mean we had 11 guys out there playing but I don't think we tackled well enough I don't think we got off blocks and I don't think we're physical enough so defensively you need to be more physical and that's surprising to hear, but we also need to get some guys back and some leadership to take take ownership of, of the defensive front. <clears throat> you know, we we played a lot more physical in other games, and so it'd be nice to get some guys back and, and back to normal form, which means that they bring that, that physical mindset to the line of scrimmage. And so that we need that on offense, and we obviously need it on defensive line as well. I mean, the offense and defensive line. That's something that I'm – I want to own as a co as a coach. I, I want to have our presence felt. Our identities that O line D line needs to show up for us to have a chance. Kalani, you may have partially answered my question in your previous answer, but do you envision any alignment changes or scheme changes to your defense to try and address the issues you've had? Yeah, of course, we're open for all of that. Yep, that's. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not open to change. I'm not like close to changing. So whether it's scheme, personnel, whatever it may be, uh, let's get the best 11 out there. Let's find a way to match up. I mean, Washington State's a much different matchup than Baylor. Baylor just decided they're going to go big and, and, and just, you know, shove the run, the run down our throat. And we didn't respond the right way. And so if, if, um, 
Washington State decides to do that, fine. But we got to toughen up. I mean, we if they decide to do it with t- with a ten personnel group, which is what they run most of the time with four wides, they're spread. But if they decide to to run the ball and spread it and, and lean on that heavily, then uh, we're gonna have to figure it out how to stop the run. And then if you can get a team to be uh, more uh, one sided and and and, and uh, becomes a little bit more predictable. If you know that you can shut down the run by just being more physical, then that's that's a huge advantage. And that worked the other way against us uh, in the Baylor game. And credit to Baylor and their 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 line. They, they they took it to us, and we did not respond the right way. Now let's see what happens this week if we respond the right way. You talked about being one-dimensional on offense there. Your offense was one-dimensional in that game by and large. 342 passing yards, but just 68 rushing yards. Was that just a a product of the game you guys trying to play catch-up and having to abandon the run game, or did you see something that you hoped to get the run game going again? Maybe a little both. I mean, I don't. I don't know if we took advantage of uh, full advantage of all the big plays that we had in in the passing game. Um, But I I know that. we're a much better team if we can run the ball and throw the ball, you know, and, and uh, they had that advantage. We didn't, you know, so um, whatever it is, got to figure it out, whether it's the, the run scheme or the, or the uh, personnel. I mean, we're obviously down a couple guys, but I don't like using the excuse of injury. We feel like we're a deep team, um, but we got to run the ball better. And then I, I think we have, a good stable of running backs to, to run the ball. So um, we're going to need, need them to step up. We need the O-line to step up. We need everyone to step up and make plays. And uh, It's not one one side. It's all three phases can improve. And, and I think the ones that get most of the, most of the uh, attention is the offense and defense. And those two phases need to improve. And we need to see it now. I need to see it now. And it needs to happen today. So uh, I'm really frustrated that that the performance. Uh, I mean, Baylor might have been a better team and might have won the game, but it should not have looked like that to me up front. And that's where it's got to change. Lonnie, uh, Elisa just said you lost three defensive linemen uh, in that game. Um, anything season, end- season ending? Any of those injuries? Guys out for the year? We're still evaluating it. Um, one is not confirmed yet. Jacob Alu, we'll see. Uh, we're still, uh, I think we'll get some information later today. I, I don't have that answer for you, Jay, but uh, one may appear to be that way. Um, the others were hoping not too long, but we'll, if this is, again, this is one, one of those where they're not considered out this week, but I don't think they're going to be 100%. So it's, it's an opportunity for some young guys to step up and all I'm going to require those young guys to do is be tough and physical when they get in the game. The situation going on with Coach Rolo at uh, Washington State, is that any concern of yours at all with his situation? Will that impact any way that you prepare for this game? You know, I, I've been so into um, our season and our games, I haven't even looked into that as much. I mean, I've literally just found out about all the, you know, I don't, I don't think I know enough about it to even make a comment, to be honest with you. And I got other things to worry about. I know Coach Rolo, and he's a good coach, and he has a really good staff. And so I'm, I'm not sure I'm the expert enough to, to comment on that. I, I'm trying to get our team to get off of this stinking losing streak, man. That's frustrating me right now. And all my attention's on that. But um, no, I, I, I think it'd be, 
I don't think I have enough information to make a comment, Jay. Sorry. Yeah, that's fair. I just, uh, it is obviously dominating headlines. So, um, We'll obviously be mentioning it, but I understand that. Um, and then just I'm, not reading, I'm, not, I'm not reading a lot of headlines right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I've been reading them all all year, but I mean, I, I, I get it. I, I, I mean, I, it's, it's not like I'm closed off to what's going on in the world, but I, I don't know enough about that specific situation and um, appeals and all that. I have no idea. I'm still kind of fresh to it, but, and then I think all my attention has to be on football, on BYU football. And then I just wanted to ask you about coaching the Barrington brothers and three sets of brothers. What kind of dynamic does that bring to a team to have that many sets of brothers? Well, I, I mean, they more than anything, they just treat the whole team like, like family um, because they have family on the team. And I, I know what it's like. I played with my little brother here at BYU too. So, and we played here while our oldest brother was at, at Utah. So, uh, um, for us, it's just it's easy to, to just consider everyone your family, and uh, you can see that those guys have a connection to the rest of the group and the rest of the team, and it's really uh, contagious, you know. And the way the Barringtons treat treat each other, but also they're hard on each other too. And I mean, mostly because Clark's the older one, but he expects a lot from from Campbell. And but you, you see them the way they lead, the way they treat each other they that also extends to the, their teammates and so there's that that love and and appreciation for each other but then there's also the ability to get after each other so i'm hoping hoping they they, they get that done this week that we can figure out some things and um you know challenge their teammates and as coaches we got to do the same thing we need to see improved play especially from from uh, our linemen okay let's go with a question from sean walker and then a follow-up from mitch yeah, coach, this may be something uh, pretty quick to to answer, but I just kind of wanted to check with you because uh, A-Rod said during his show this morning that it, it sounds like Joe and Harris are getting pretty close to, to kind of full recovery, full activity with you guys. Do you have any sort of an update that you can give us on them and their situation? I don't know. I, I know that there's a chance that they'll play, so that's it's good, you know, but we have to see what they look like in practice today. Um, obviously, we want them back. They're the two starters for us. Um, Mason was able to come back last week, Mason Wake, and and I, he's not 100% in that game, but, um, you know, we're hoping that he'll be healthier this week. So as we start to get these guys back and get them, you know, get them back on the field, the, the key is, first, first of all, for them to clear protocol with um, – with the trainers, and then once they do that, we can, we can practice them, and then once we they feel like they're ready for full contact, then we can obviously play them in the game. So that's kind of how it works, and I don't control all that, but I want them all on the field. Uh, Kalani, uh, I, that's kind of a theme today, it seems like, but just another personnel question for you. George Udo came into the season recovering from an injury. He suffered a little bit of a setback against Baylor. Is his situation long-term? Um, no, no, it's not long-term. So if, if, if you're asking, because he, he injured his ACL last year, and um, so, no, he did not re-injure the ACL. So we're, we're looking at something, uh, a different injury, and so not sure if he'll be ready for this week as well, but um, – I have to see a little bit more today. We got a little bit of information yesterday, but not enough to um, discount them out for the week. But again, it's, I, I don't know how you can, you can play in a game Saturday if you can't practice, 
you know, this week. I it just I have a hard time sitting a kid out and getting him healthy and never really practicing full reps and then all of a sudden get to the game Saturday and expect him to perform. I just that's not how we work here. Then I wanted to ask you about uh, Washington State's quarterback, Jaden Delora. Uh, he was coming out of St. Louis High School in Hawaii, and I know your staff extended a scholarship offered to him. Did you get to know him at all in the recruiting process when he was uh, coming out of St. Louis High? Yeah, I mean, really, really good player. Just looking at his athleticism, and he's got he's, he has a uh, a lot of confidence on the field, and the, and the players play off of that. And you look at when they when they win, it's when he's doing well. Um, but he's so athletic and he can run. Uh, I mean, that that that's something that I think adds to his game. He's, he's always a threat to extend the play. Um, but for, for a young guy, he has great poise and uh, just gets rid of the ball quickly. Most of Rolo's quarterbacks do that. They get rid of the ball quickly. They have their, their timing down. And so it's hard to, to, um, to shake these guys, you know. And and, and, uh, and for, for Delore, he's he's got a great presence, man. And then... He can take over a game. We just, we, it'll be a tough task. We're, you know, the reason why we liked him in the recruiting process too, because we think he, he's a, he's a big time game, game, uh, you know, a playmaker. And so um, that'll be tough for us. But, you know, we're, we're up for it and we'll see what happens. We'll see what we can do scheme wise to, to match up against what they do. They're spread team. So it's, it's a, it's a difficult deal where you got, you know, some great skill like they have and spread them wide out and then, they have a running back that's really physical in in, in uh, Borgie that can break tackles. So uh, really familiar with with what Wazoo is doing and seeing them throughout the years in my coaching. They have that the same type of personality, uh, some tough kids and in, in, on their team and and uh, really really cool area where they play and a great fan base. So uh, looking forward to going back there and playing in that game. Oh, a question from Jake. Kalani, it may not be the purest version of the run and shoot, but how difficult of an offense is the run and shoot to defend? Yeah, it, the reason why it's not your typical run and shoot is because the run and shoot is has um, evolved, you know, and so they've added a lot more to their scheme, a lot of different plays to their to their call sheet. And that's what Rolo does. He, he's always advancing. And we've, we've played against Rolo enough where you just can't – it's not always the same. You know, some teams run the same offense regardless of the personnel. And I think uh, Rolo and his staff, they do a great job at, at utilizing the right people and getting the ball um, to the right players, to the playmakers. And they happen to have a bunch of them. And that's why they go spread. They're all mostly four wide outs right now. And and I, I really think they're, the running back is, is uh, probably underrated. He, he he, I've seen him throughout the years and plays that he makes and um, and they, they have a, they have a good a good crew there so with their running backs and the, I think their old line's big physical it's hard to penetrate that old line as far as getting past rush and um, with their timing the run and shoots there's a timing scheme the timing it's hard to get get to the quarterback and uh, we, we when we faced Hawaii we faced them a few times it's hard to, to get there uh, regardless of how many you bring and that's uh, a lot what the run and shoots all about but to have quarterbacks know where, to, where the ball goes that quickly and to recognize um, uh, coverage and pressures, uh, that, that's something special. And, and that's something that, that's right up uh, you know, Delar's uh, uh, capabilities. And then can I just get a quick thought from you? Just looking at their defense, the funny thing is this team for years under Mike Leach was known for the offense, but the defense seems to be have become a strength for them under Rolo. 
Yeah, very solid. And I know a lot of those, a lot of the coaches on the defensive side, and uh, I, I think they play with great technique and, and assignment sound football. You don't see a lot of mistakes happen on on their their side. And so, if you beat them, it's because you you actually. Uh, you you beat them on the field. It, it's not like some scheme's gonna gonna um, take take it, uh, advantage of them. They're well coached, and a lot of experience on that side too, and uh, their kids are tough and, and uh, they're, they're they're really good tacklers. So I think it's gonna be a good matchup for our offense. Defensively, it's a good matchup for us, and you know we're, we're no, we know they're gonna get our um, we're gonna get their best, and I, I just we need our our best to show up this weekend. There's BYU football coach Kalani Sataki. Big game. Big, big game at Washington State. Now, the Utes are going to Oregon State, a huge game of their own. They've got a three-game winning streak. But Oregon State, they're off to a nice start this year midway through the season. Kyle Whittingham on this game with Oregon State next. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU hits the road to Pac-12 country as Kalani Sataki and the Cougars square off against Washington State in Pullman. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air. All right, we just heard from Kalani Sataki. It is time to hear from Kyle Whittingham. The stakes are suddenly very high, PK. We could have a lot of movement in the Pac-12 race here very quickly. UCLA is playing Oregon this week. The Utes are playing Oregon State. <clears throat> Those are the top two teams, Oregon Oregon State, top two teams in the North. They could have a major impact on the South race. And a week after that, the Utes are playing UCLA and ASU is playing Washington State. So no gimmies the next couple of weeks, and that can have a massive impact on how the South plays out. Now also, teams can win and take care of business, and the Utah-UCLA winner and ASU could be set for a sprint in November, and it could stay pretty tight. Also, the youths could get some help, take care of business, and be really set up going into November. Well, yeah, I agree on that. I don't think they need the help, obviously. I think that with Cam rising, things have changed so dramatically that, to me, they're in the driver's seat. Because I look at the Bruins and the Devils, they've had their moments, but they've also had some bad moments, too. So they look a little more inconsistent. Now, Utah did in the non-conference, but since they've changed quarterbacks, they've been all right. So, to me, they've found their mojo, and they're ready to go, while the other two teams are still more of wild cards. Not to say that either of those teams, I'm not discounting them completely. They're just, in my mind, more of a wild card. I'm not sure what I'm going to get. It's the old box of chocolates from week to week uh, because they've had their ups and their downs. So how does that relate? Whereas Utah so far has been more consistent. That may not mean anything going forward, but I think it will. All right, let's listen to Kyle Whittingham with the media right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Okay. thought our team played uh, very well Saturday night. Overall, obviously much better in the second half than the first, but uh, you judge the game in its entirety. You don't judge in segments. And so overall, we played a a good football game against a really good opponent. A lot of positives in that game. 
particularly in the second half, as I mentioned. Offense came out. We had four possessions in the second half and four long touchdown drives, 60-plus, uh, 70-plus yard drives, no short fields. It was the offense did a great job of uh, moving the football in the second half. Defense pitched a shutout in the second half. And uh, that was uh, the end result. Because of that was a, a win, which puts us in good shape. Still a lot of football left, obviously. Uh, what are we, a third of the way through uh, conference play? And so we've got uh, a lot of uh, challenges starting this week. Oregon State, good football team, really good football team, running the heck out of the football, uh, leading the Pac-12 by a considerable margin, running the football. Uh, two good backs that... Uh, are very productive. <clears throat> Starts with our offensive line. Their offensive line is playing exceptional football, and uh, that's uh, you know something that we've got to try to uh, take care of this week is, is slow them down a little bit in the run game. Quarterbacks playing well. Um, they're leading the conference in scoring, as well as rushing, like I mentioned, as well as third down conversions. Which, when you run the football that well, you, it lends itself to a lot of third and shorts, which uh, they're taking advantage of. So, big challenge. It's on the road, a uh, tough place to play up there in uh, Corvallis. But uh, we'll uh, hopefully have a good week of practice and be ready to go. So, questions? Huh. In these huh. last couple wins, sorry. No, you're good. In these last couple wins, um, second half defense has been much better than first half defense. Well, like I say, you judge the game in its entirety. You don't judge it in segments. And so when you judge it in its entirety, we played pretty good defense, held them under 400 yards, well below what they were averaging, uh, below what they were scoring. Uh, and so I think we are playing good defense overall. Just happens, so happens to be that we're playing a little better in the second half than the first right now. But, but uh, we're not really concerned about that. We're just concerned with the the final product and the and the final result. And so, yeah, it would be great to play great defense every single snap of the game. But things ebb and flow during the course of a game. And uh, and same with our offense. You know, we and this year for whatever reason we've proven to be a, a pretty good second half team. I mean, our fourth quarter scoring differential is is really good. It's like seventy something to. 20 or, or thereabouts and so we seem to be a little stronger in the second half this year each year is a little bit different but that's been our mo uh, don't have a great answer for you other than our guys do a, a really good job our players of hanging in there and overcoming adversity and handling adversity and and uh, that's been the, the storyline this year what, what kind of schematic changes play into that i mean <clears throat> obviously you make adjustments right yeah, halftime adjustments are big and, and play into that. And I think our, uh, uh, is a credit to our assistant coaches and the coordinators to come in at halftime and, and uh, make those adjustments. Now, you got to make them all throughout the game. It's not just halftime because if you wait till halftime, it's too late a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, the times. And so, uh, but uh, just coming, down, coming in from, from the uh, first half, sitting down together, talk about what's happening, what we want to change and what we want to tweak going forward. And uh, again, our coaches have done a really good job of, of setting up uh, our players to be successful in the second half. Kyle, we had some fun, uh, you know, with the Covey penalty and the flexing, but he, he generally doesn't show that level of emotion during a game. What did you think of that end of it, just the emotion that he showed? I loved it. Yeah, you didn't love the penalty, but I love the juice and the emotion and the passion. And uh, we were making plays all over the place in that second half. Uh, we had so many guys make big plays. Cam Rising played exceptional in the second half, as we talked about in the post-game press conference, but but uh, I'm not condoning penalties, but I'm, I'm 
I love enthusiasm and guys that are really excited to play and have a have a passion for what they're doing. Following up on that, obviously winning cures a lot, but it seems like this team is having a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. What? Where where is this coming from? I mean, in the post game videos, you're jumping around with them. Like, where, where is this kind of coming around together? Well, uh, every team has its own personality and its own chemistry, I guess you could say. And this team uh, is really fun to be around. There's a lot of great leaders, and uh, the leadership has been outstanding from 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 the uh, onset. But uh, the personality of this team is just more. I don't want to say jovial, but uh, they're having a lot of fun this year. And these guys, we had a lot of guys that love football, and it shows. And that's what you want. You, know, you want guys that love football, and, and uh, that's uh, what has been exuded during the course of the season. When you were when you were in the locker room with the guys, you know, celebrating all that, did you expect them to pick you up? No, no, that's that doesn't happen often. But uh, that was. Uh, it was just in the moment. You know, you're in the moment. You're, you're so excited for them, and they played so well in that second half. And you know, it didn't look good at halftime, 21-7 against a top 20 team. And we hadn't, uh, other than the first drive on offense, we hadn't got a lot. Well, the first and the last drive, uh, where we turned it over at the end, which was a negative. But but we did move the ball well. But in between, there was not much going on. And then uh, to see the uh, production and the explosiveness in the second half was really uh, exciting. Coach, Mika didn't register a sack, but he was uh, creating a lot of pressure mm -hmm. uh, throughout the game. How valuable is that to have an edge rusher like that? Very valuable, and you, you can't have too many of those guys. You know, the most valuable commodities for a defensive uh, coordinator are edge rushers and shut down corners. And uh, he's a he's a premier edge rusher. And even though we didn't come up with the sack, I think we had five sacks. Actually, the stats were wrong. I think they, we got credited now for five. But uh, Meek is responsible for knocking the guy off his spot and flushing him around and and letting other guys clean up and get the sack. But but uh, right now Meek is leading the Pac-12 in sacks, so he's doing a good job. But uh, even an even better job than what is showing up statistically. You know, I mean, at the beginning of the season, you talked about, you predicted that Devin Lloyd would probably be the highest drafted linebacker from your program. Obviously, he's had a really good season this year. What, what is it about him that, that, that works? Is he, does, do you allow him to just kind of do what he needs to, or what, what, what goes on there? No, he plays within the structure and the framework of the defense, but we utilize him in a lot of different ways. You saw us bring him off the edge uh, quite a bit so far this season. Uh, what makes him a good football player is just uh, a myriad of things. He's, he's got great size. You know, he's nearly 6'3", uh, just pushing 240 pounds. He runs like a deer. He's, he's instinctive. He's got a long wingspan. You know, you see him tip balls quite often, particularly on the pass rush. He's got his hands on two or three balls this year. Um, he's, uh, he's a playmaker. He's, he's a guy that uh, when there's a play there to be made, he almost always makes it. And uh, he is an absolute football junkie and student of the game. He watches as much film during the course of a week as anybody we've ever had here. Kyle, what makes Corvallis and Reeser Stadium such a tough place to play? Don't know. It's, uh, you know, you typically got a, a pretty uh, boisterous crowd. Um, it's just an environment that uh, is uh, one of the tougher places to play in the Pac-12. And I, I just, other than the, the uh, you know, the fans and the and the overall environment, I don't have a great answer for you, but but it has proven to be a, a tough place. Although last time we were there, we we started out incredible in the first half. I think it was 35 nothing in mid second quarter. So that game was not uh, typical of a game that that you have in Corvallis, and we're expecting uh, a hard fought battle. Now that we're at the oh, 
Okay. Uh, eventually, I, I think we're just starting to hit our stride. Uh, we sputtered in the first few games, first three or four games, but the last uh, two or three, we've we've started to uh, one. Well, for sure, the last two started to figure out who we are, who we got to get the ball to, and how we got to get them get them, get them the ball. Tavion Thomas is starting to emerge. Uh, as more of a run threat, which gives us more in the run game. Um, defensively, I think that uh, we've been fairly consistent throughout the course of the season. Uh, certainly had some problems in the uh, run defense early on. We seem to have shored that up. Uh, so I just think that uh, you know overall we're, we're doing a uh, we're, we're trending in the right direction. I think as a football team, special teams wise, hasn't been a lot of. Uh, huge impact plays on special teams. We did have the big punt return, and of course we've given up some things in the kickoff return game, so it's been a little bit of give and take in the special teams, but but uh, I think we're holding our own. It's probably a good way to say it in the special teams. Going over the last three three games of, of how you guys have played, is this the Utah football team that you thought you, you guys were? Yes, yes it is. This is this is what uh, we had in mind and what we had envisioned, and it uh, just took us a little bit to get there. You know, a few few more games than we'd like to get there. And I wouldn't it's not they do himself if he's uh, wearing, uh, yeah, he's got a injury, hand injury. That happened so, at USC. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is there any season-ending injuries? I know you had a couple. Yeah, we have our long snapper. We lost Keegan Margraf, which is a it's a big blow. Although JT uh, Greep, the the guy that backed him up, came in and did a great job, and we expect him to continue to do that. Uh, very talented young snapper. He's just a freshman, but. Uh, Keegan will be, uh, unfortunately, he's a captain. You know, he's one of our leaders. And that says something when a special teams guy gets voted captain uh, because that's uh, that's not real common. But uh, he's unfortunately done for the year. We'll miss him. And uh, he was, uh, you know, a big part of our special teams for the last several years. We don't talk a ton about the long snapper, but just in general, how, how critical is it to have a long snapper? <laughs> Absolutely critical, and, and as soon as you notice them, that's a bad thing. Right. You know, as long as you're not noticing the snappers, that means that everything's going as it should, and, and uh, we haven't noticed Keegan Harley at all because he's been so consistent. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a big factor, but like I said, we have all the confidence in the world in JT and expect that he'll uh, get the job done. On offense, you've had a pretty diverse group. You don't necessarily have that one guy that you can focus on. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of the way that you hope to maintain it in, in a way that allows opponents to not really be an only guy? Or how yeah, to exactly. We've got five, six, seven weapons that uh, we've utilized and and that are getting the majority of the touches. Uh, the, the emergence of Devon Vele has been a big positive for us. We knew the tight ends going into the season was gonna, were going to be a, a group that was going to be tough to defend. But but with Devon uh, doing what he's doing, Covey is Covey. You know, there's no surprise there. He's uh, in fact, we we'll probably need to do a little better job of getting him a few more touches. Uh, Theo Howard's added some timely catches. Uh, like I said, the tight ends have been productive from day one. And uh, Tavion, as I mentioned, has really bolstered the running. It's kind of got to the point now where Tavion and TJ are getting the, the vast majority of the reps at uh, running back. Following up on that, you talked about the tight ends. What does a, having a group like you have with Brandt, Dalton, Cole, Thomas, and, and, and Alidi, what does that allow you to do on offense with their ability and blocking? Yeah, it allows you to do a lot of stuff. And as a former defensive coordinator, that's the toughest groups to defend is the multiple tight end groups, 12 and 13 personnel, where they have two or three out there. And uh, there's just so many different ways you can utilize them, and particularly when they have the receiving skills that our guys do, where you can split them out. You know, we put Brandt out at 
wide receiver a good proportion of the time and and Dalton is such a, a tremendous receiver Cole uh, not as elusive as the other two but he runs great routes and gets open and so when you got tight ends that can block and catch that's a that's a great combination and a great uh, matchup problem for defenses and it it is as a, like I said as a former coordinator that's the one and that's the groups 12 and 13 that make it the most difficult for you to defend and make sure you're you're not outflanked or out leveraged in the run game and you get good matchups when you know when they're split out and in the pass game. We talked about earlier how fun and how much fun this team is having. Um, did did company have anything to say about your, your cheeky? <laughs> Uh, fair line comment. He's, I, I give him that grief all day, every day. So that's nothing new. It's just, uh, he's a great kid, and uh, he's very proud of the results. By the way, of his, I mean, it's it's working, and so it's 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 uh, his, it's filling in nicely. But but uh, Cove is a special kid, and uh, loved having him in the program. Uh, he's been here a long time, as everybody knows. But but uh, it's all in good fun. There's no. I certainly hope there's no hard feelings. He hasn't indicated that. So it's a very confident kid. Go ahead. No. After seeing the defensive performance um, in the second half, at least for me, I was pretty uh, impressed by that. Are you the kind of coach, and I'm just curious, who thinks defense wins championships? You know what? It uh, used to be much more prevalent in uh, in your success than it is now. And I'm a kind of a statistics geek, as David James calls me, and the guy that likes to look at stats and numbers. And... Uh, the, in this day and age of football, I've seen breakdowns where offense is responsible for 50% of your success or lack thereof, defense 35%, and special teams 15%. And so it's it's diminished a little bit in its uh, impact on the game. Offense is more taking more of a front seat, but uh, it's still very important. And uh, the best thing is to be both good on both sides of the ball. But but uh, you know the the real. Uh, impact of the game has shifted to more of an offensive uh, impact. With, with the numbers and everything there, it seems like you've been much more confident in, in wanting to be aggressive in those short situations, maybe fourth and two or, mm-hmm. or other situations. Is, is it that because of the offense, or, or what's kind of the strategy there behind you and, and how you pick that? As far as when we go for it on fourth down, uh, well, analytics uh, is, is involved in that a lot. We have a book and a, and a uh, uh, system or program that we use that that gives me uh, good information as far as making that decision. We follow it fairly closely, but not exactly. Uh, how good your how confident or how good your field goal kicker has been playing. How how much uh, your offensive line has been controlling the game. Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into it. When you look at it, I think we're about average in the league as far as goes on fourth down. And so I don't think we're going forward excessively, but uh, certainly more than we used to. And again, the driving impetus of that is is probably the analytics part of it, where it's just set up. Here's you know, it's just it's science. I mean, you're you're here's what it is for uh, the reward for a field goal as opposed to a touchdown, the risk reward of it all. And so it's it's changed. And I think you're seeing more aggression from uh, most all offenses in that category than certainly you saw ten years ago. Coach, in the defense secondary, it seemed like. You guys played a bit more man coverage mm-hmm. than previous games. Um, do you feel like you're seeing the progress out of that group to, to give you confidence? In that? Yeah, we are, and uh, we're still not uh, to the point where we need to be. It's still a, a work in progress, and and we're playing with three true, you know, freshmen. Not true. I don't know what a true freshman is anymore. But guys that guys that are freshmen that still have a redshirt year, and uh, used to be called true freshmen. But with Clark and uh, Fabian and Zamaya 
And so those three freshmen are, are making strides and uh, we're gaining more confidence in them. And, uh, but again, we don't want to just, we got to be smart. You got to put your players in position to succeed and, and put them in positions where they can be successful. And uh, too high of a dose of man coverage for those guys right now is not a good thing for them. So you got to be intelligent about how you go about it. And I think Coach Scali has been very intelligent of mixing a good uh, dose of zone in there. Have you actually been able to get any kind of grasp of, of, of what the conference has been right now? It seems like, you know, whenever there's a, a favorite team going in, they end up losing to a team that right. really shouldn't happen. I mean, is this about as jumbled as you've, you've seen the conference? Yeah, but that's the Pac-12. <clears throat> For a lot of years, it uh, hasn't had a clear-cut dominant team that you know nobody can beat it's just a, a serious a situation of you better be ready to play every week and every week like i said it was a week or two ago you're going to see scores that surprise you in the pac-12 every week like it you know i didn't see that one coming i didn't see this one coming and so i think it's a a situation where there's a lot of balance and uh if you're not ready to play you're going to get beat so you got to be ready final question in scheme and personnel who does the oregon state running game uh compared to uh, well, there's similarities between uh, them and the, the ASU scheme that we just saw. Uh, ASU is more counter gap scheme. There's not very little gap scheme in the Oregon State run game. It's more stretch and zone. But, uh, yeah, probably, you know, there's carryover from last week, I would say. And in terms of personnel? Uh, well, very similar offensive line-wise, too. Arizona State's O-line is very efficient and productive and physical, and this line's very much the very similar. And, and so I would say in that regard, uh, Arizona State, they've got uh, two backs that are carrying the workload, number four and number five, both averaging over six yards of carry. They're averaging down near six yards of carry as a team, which is outstanding, and those backs are like 6.8 and 6.3 a carry, so they got a, a good uh, combination between those two. But but like I said, there's, there is a lot of carryover in the run game uh, from last week to this week. All right, there is Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's another Pac-12 road trip for Utah as Kyle Whittingham and the Utes head to the Pacific Northwest to battle Oregon State in Corvallis. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and it's time for your feedback. And we've got multiple people on multiple topics, PK. Yes. CJ hopes that Rolovich and his assistants sue the school and the state, and that it goes to the Supreme Court. Mandates are not law. Wow, they're not? <laughs> it kind of felt like it when he got let go, right? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea what the legal ramifications are on all that. What the Washington State Constitution says about this, you don't you don't know? No, yeah, I know an apple either. a day keeps the doctor away. All right, so how about this the one apple then? Apple State, you got that? Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, 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 apple cup, right? <laughs> uh, Martin says the Big 12 is better than the Pac-10.2. <laughs> Making fun of Colorado and Utah. Yeah, I wouldn't make fun of Utah's program right now, bearing down on a third South Division title, if you want to call it that, in four years. So if you want to make fun of Colorado, have at it. But The top so, of the Big 12, though, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor? 
looking pretty good right yeah, now. Yeah, but I don't think he's talking about Oklahoma because they're going to be gone. True story. But you plug Cincinnati in. If Cincinnati keeps their coach, if he doesn't get hired away. I like what the Big 12 is going to be. I think it's going to be a very competitive conference. I think it's going to be a great landing spot for BYU. I would have preferred in the Pac-12, but they weren't interested in inviting them. Uh, they can play them, but they can't. They can make money off of them, but they can't be uh, a conference member. So the Big 12 is is fine. And I think, yeah, I'm excited for when we get there in a couple of years. So no, no problem there. And that's that's just going to and it creates another story for us uh, comparing the 12, the two 12s. You know, oh, big yeah. and pack. Absolutely. All like for it. Like we're doing right now. Yeah. And the Big 12 is better than the Pac-12 this year. This is not the year for the Pac-12 to stand up and start beating its right, chest. Right, but this doesn't count from, from the BYU perspective. No, I get your point. They're not there yet. This isn't the new Big 12 yet. And Oklahoma's still there. And then we have U-State Iceman, Jack, Aggie fan. Can you imagine if BYU loses this game to Washington State? Oh, there will be a lot of BYU fans mad at the Pac-12. Yeah, three and one's not bad, but you would have preferred that loss to be to ASU then because now that would mean it is a three-game losing streak. You weren't ever going to lose to Arizona, and obviously you didn't want to lose to Utah. So you would, if you had to pick 3-1 and one against Pac-12 four games into it with SC remaining, I think you would pick the Sun Devils. All right, we are out of time. Hans and Scotty are up next. We'll see you tomorrow.